Daddy Jim has a word he wants to share with us. Oh, yeah. Jim, give Tim a big hand. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, when uh, we were at worship, was awesome this morning. That was tremendous, you know. When the spirit of the Lord's flowing like that, any other country boy can prophesy, right? So uh, I really felt like the Lord, uh, kind of simultaneous when Becky said the thing about the bread, that there was more bread to be had. I was seeing when David entered in uh, to the where the Ark of the Covenant was and partook of the bread of his presence. It's called the showbread. It was bread that was renewed and kept fresh before the presence of God in the Ark of the Covenant. And I felt that the Lord was saying, this is a time of turning. This is a season of change. We're entering into a new season. There's a new season coming. Everybody knows it's coming. It's a season where we're turning to the bread of his presence. The presence of God is obtainable. It's edible. It's consumable. It will come into you and become your substance. You are what you eat. Partake of the bread of his presence. Because this showbread is to show forth in your life as a demonstration of the manifestations of the Holy Spirit out in the world. You are to consume this bread in the holy place and then go forth to demonstrate the bread of His presence because this season that we're changing to is a season of ingathering. We have been in a season of renewal and fortification of our spirit. But now we're entering into a season of ingathering. We will see waves and waves of new people come to partake of the bread of His presence because He is alive in His body. The Lord is good, me chill bumps. <laughs> Good chill bumps. Lord, thank you. Well, we just say yes and amen yep. yes. to the bread of heaven, the bread that came down from heaven, Lord, Jesus himself. Thank you, Lord. We just thank like you, a, a body of you this morning, Lord. Mm. Just receive of you, Lord. Lord, thank you. Lord, thank you. You're good, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Lord, your steadfast love. Lord. Mm. Just bless you, Lord. Worship you. Amen. Hey, turn to Mark 9. I want to read a few verses. Um, and this starts uh, in verse 14. If you remember, I've been going through Mark chapter 9. It started out with the Mount of Transfiguration. And then, and that was a really good day, right? For everybody. That was a little transition time, a little turning point, really. And then I shared last week about you have a mountaintop experience, and you got to come down from the mountain, which is what they had to do. They had to come down. Everybody knows about coming down off the mountaintop, right? That's sort of a sad moment. 
but they had an amazing uh, revelation from Jesus coming down about the spirit of Elijah being released fresh in the earth. And the spirit of Elijah is the anointing that actually rested on Elijah. It's well, probably one of the greatest, probably is the greatest anointing in the whole, whole of Scripture uh, because it's the anointing that the Lord said would restore the hearts of the fathers to the children. It's the anointing that prepares the way of the Lord. It's the anointing that makes the path straight for the Lord to come and do what he does. And, and so that was the anointing that John the Baptist had resting on him, was the spirit of Elijah. And God has promised that in the last days he would pour that spirit out again. Amen? Amen. And I'm believing for that. I'm, in fact, I have got, yeah. I've got to asking the Lord for that anointing. Yeah. I just decided after that last week, I thought, well, dang, I'm going to go for this. Yes. Uh, yeah. This is something God yeah. wants to do. So I'm going for the spirit of Elijah. I'm yeah. going for the anointing yes. that rested on yes. Elijah, that rested yeah. on John yes. the Baptist, because that's what yes. God wants to do yeah. in the earth. Amen? Yes. I hope you believe that. Well, anyways, they got down. They had a good, good, good talk with Jesus. And then they got down to the flatlands. And this is where we're going to pick up at. And, and it says, And when he came to the, to the disciples, that was the rest of the disciples that were not with him on the Mount of Transfiguration. He saw a great multitude around them and scribes disputing with them. Everybody say, scribes disputing with them. That's, that's the religious spirit. It's going to always dispute things. Whenever God wants to do something, wherever God's showing up, just expect some dispute in your mind. Okay? Or maybe... You know, if you're really blessed, you get some dispute out here too. But don't listen to it. Just let them dispute and, you know, all about your business. Uh, help us, Lord, right? <laughs> Immediately, when they saw him, all the people were greatly amazed and running to him, greeted him. Uh, you know that word there, awestruck wonder? Did y'all catch that word, awestruck? I was thinking about that word actually this week, awestruck, and I thought, well, that's, a, that's an old word. It means amazing. Is what it, we would that would be our word. But really, in the in uh, the older another time, awestruck. And I was actually thinking this week. I believe there's a, a day coming when people are going to be awestruck by the Lord. Yeah. Uh, and that in the Bible, and when Jesus healed this guy, they remember they lowered him through the roof. That's what the people said. They said they were awestruck. By what he had done. They were all struck by what he even said. And so I believe there's a day coming when Christians are going to be all struck. Because, man, if anybody needs to be all struck, we need to get all struck here by the Lord. Uh, don't you just don't like going to church and nobody's all struck. Nobody's amazed at God. Uh, we're just going through the motions of Christianity. That's just no all struck in that. That's just not good. So I think the Lord is going to first cause us to be all struck. And then, when we're awestruck, guess what we're going to do? We're going to awestruck the world. That's right. That's, I believe that's God's order. He's going to awestruck his people, and his people are going to awestruck the world. So I'm holding out for awestruck. Okay? That's a great word. I just love that word. Uh, and he said uh, in verse 16, i got to get here, man. i got to pay, pay attention. I keep losing all place. And he asked the scribes, what are you discussing with them? And then one of the crowd answered and said, Teacher, I brought you my son who has a mute spirit. This is interesting, this mute spirit thing here. And where, and wherever it seizes, seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth. That's a really unusual manifestation for a mute spirit. I, I would always just assume 
uh, it would be like an epileptic type spirit. But this clearly says it was a mute spirit during this. So we don't really, we need to really really discern things. Uh, because if we saw that, we'd all oh, they got an epileptic thing, we need to get them. And no, he may have a mute spirit. And gnashes his teeth and becomes rigid. That's a rough day, buddy. I'm telling you, when that happens. So I spoke to your disciples that they should cast it out, and they could not. Oh, that even got worse for the disciples, right? They could not. Sounds like a lot of Christianity. Anyways, he answered him and said, Oh, faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I bear with you? Bring him to me. Well, that's a good word. Bring him to me. Boy, isn't that amazing? You know, when you've got a problem, you can't get it solved. Bring your problem to Jesus. That's really what, you know, We sometimes we can't fix ourselves and we can't fix our problems. So the last resort, lots of times, is we just need to bring it to Jesus. Amen. And he'll do something about it. Um, and so, um, then they brought him, brought him to him. And when he saw him, immediately the spirit convulsed him and he fell on the ground wallowed, foaming at the mouth. This is really intense here. Okay, so I want you. I want you to get into this and picture yourself there. Picture that child wallowing and foaming at the mouth, and and, and all of this, and all the crowd around, and all the commotion. Uh, so he asked the father, "How long has this been happening to him?" He said, "From childhood." So evidently, this uh, was a young person, probably a teen, uh, and this had been going on pretty much all his life. And ha- and he often and often he has has thrown him both into the fire and into the water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. Jesus said to him, if you can believe, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. Don't you love that verse? All things are possible to him who believes. I love it most of the time, but sometimes it's a challenge. Right? Sometimes believing is not easy. Uh, and I'm going to show you that in a minute. Uh, and don't you lie and say, you all, it's always easy for you to believe, because it's really not. Immediately, the father of the child uh, cried out with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. This is a beautiful, uh, honest uh, conversation here. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Yeah. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. I think yeah. that's where a lot of us are at many times, but let me finish reading it. When Jesus saw that the people, the people came running together, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, Death and dumb spirit, I command you, come out of him and enter him no more. Then the spirit cried out, convulsed him greatly, and came out of him, and he became as one dead, so that many said, He's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him up, and he arose. And when he had come into the house, that's Jesus, his disciples asked him quietly, Why couldn't we cast him out? So he said to them, This kind comes out by Nothing but prayer and fasting. So, uh, first I wanted to mention this death and dumb spirit where Jesus said, I command you, come out of him and enter no more. I think that's interesting because in, in Luke 11, Jesus talked about a, a person who had demonic stuff going on in their life and the de- demons being cast out of this person. And their, he, he spoke about their house, their spirit, their soul realm was cleansed. Okay? Uh, but... That was it. It was just wiped clean. It was swept clean. And then the demon came back and saw that it was cleansed, saw that it was unoccupied. 
and went back and got seven more worse demons. And, it's, and Jesus said that person's going to be worse than he was if he had never got that first demon out because now he's got seven more worse. And so, you know, we understand that to be when a person has demonic issues in their life, once you get free is you've got to get the Holy Spirit into that place in their heart, that place in their mind where, where the Holy Spirit begins to occupy the, the house and the house is, is not, a, you know, there's not a full rent, there's not a vacancy on the front of the house because the Holy Spirit's there. And that's really important. But here, Jesus over, he, he, it's like he overrode that and said, come out of him and never come back in him again. Never come back in him again. And so I believe there's a time when God is going to do that for people. I believe there's a time, now listen, I bet you there's people in this room, you've had prayer 97 times about the same thing. Right? And it seems like you can never get free of it. I don't know. Maybe you have. Maybe I'm the only one in here who has things in my life that I feel like I can't. I feel like I'm free for a while. And it's back again. Am I talking to anybody this morning? Well, I believe this is what the Lord's going to do. I believe there's a day coming when the Lord says, it's over. Period. You're free from this and it's never coming back into your life again. How many people would like to have that anointing? How many people would like God to do something? And just flat do it and settle it so you could just move on with your life. Instead of having to go jump through 19 hoops. Well, you know that old story about the Jesus casting the demon out of the guy who had a legion of demons. And instantly the guy was healed. Instantly he wanted to go with Jesus. Jesus sent him out as an emissary of the gospel. And we used to joke around, me and Marlon and a few other guys, about that being Jesus' one-step program. You've heard of the 12-step program. Well, Jesus had a one-step. I'm doing it all, all at once and be done. And so we've been praying for years. Lord, we're trying to reduce the steps here. You know, get it down to where we can get to that one step. Yeah. One time, Lord. One time when you just do the whole package yeah. and it's all done. And I believe God's going to do that. Yeah. And I believe we need to contend for that day. We need to contend where we don't take 19 steps. You know, okay, we've got it down to 18. We're good. Now let's get it down to 17. Maybe we'll double it and get it down to 12 and then get it down to 6. You know? Yeah. If, it takes us, if it takes that, that's what it takes. But anyway, um, I just think that's something God's saying right now for people. And I'm, I'm buying into it. Uh, but really what I wanted to talk to you about this morning is the statement of, in verse 24. Uh, the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So what I want to talk to you about is doubt. Okay? Because that's what doubt is. It's believing and unbelieving at the same time. And so doubt is not something that the church really likes to talk about, actually. In fact, you don't hear, I don't, I've never heard a message about doubting in my entire Christian life. Uh, but I believe it's, it's really important that uh, we stop sweeping doubt under the rug. Okay? Because lots of times doubt is swept under the rug. And we're not facing doubt. We're not dealing with doubt. And finding out what really the scripture says about doubt. And going after doubt in, a, in the way. Um, in fact, many times I believe the church has made people feel bad for doubting. Yet, the disciples 
asked Jesus, why couldn't we cast it out? They had questions. Doubt is, creates questions in your heart. When you have questions about why things are not working for you or, or whatever your doubt may be. Uh, I would say this morning, probably most of us in this room are not doubting the Bible as far as the Bible being the Word of God. Probably not many people in this room. If you happen to be one, God has an answer for that. Not many people are probably doubting that Jesus rose from the dead. And not many people are probably uh, doubting that the blood of Jesus is sufficient for your sins. I mean, not many of But we do have these doubts based on the whys of life. Okay, we have doubts based on why God didn't do what we thought he was going to do. Right? Why didn't God heal my child? Why didn't God answer my prayer uh, for a spouse? Why did my spouse leave me? You know, you know what I'm saying? Why did my ministry fail? Why did my business fail? Why don't I have an anointing like I would like to have? And see, all of those are questions that people carry in their hearts because God doesn't always do things the way we think that He's going to do them. And so it creates questions, legitimate questions. And so here you put yourself in the shoes of this man. Here he was, had heard more most likely had heard great stories about all of Jesus' miracles, about walking on the water and about raising people from the dead and all the multitudes of people that would just show up and touch him and get healed. And so he brings, and probably had heard that Jesus had sent these guys out and these guys were walking in some kind of power. Right? Are y'all with me on this? Okay. Are y'all with me on this? Now, so, so he brings this child, and the child's not healed. The child's not healed. And so here he is, uh, and Jesus is starting talking about, to him about belief in him, and he's, he's struggling. Because, why is he struggling? Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Because he had doubt working in his heart. And I guarantee you, if you put yourself in, in his shoes, every one of us in this room, there's been places where we have been in exactly that same place. Why didn't God do what I thought he said he was going to do? Why didn't he let my spouse leave me? And you begin to doubt things and question things. And I'll tell you something, that's not at all a bad thing. I'm just going to tell you that right now. Because nowhere in the scriptures does Jesus condemn a person who's doubting. In fact, if you really look at the scripture, you'll find some of God's greatest men and women bringing questions to him because they had doubt. Think about Mary the day Gabriel showed up. She was questioning him. She had doubts about how in the world am I going to have a baby? I don't even do a guy. You know, I'm not even into guys. You know? So she had this doubt in her. And, and then the angel answered her and said, this is the way it's going to happen. Okay? On the other hand, think about... Uh, John the Baptist's dad. His wife had been buried for years. He had questions also, but his answer was this. Well, you're not going to speak. He got a rough answer. What's the difference? He was in unbelief and she was in doubt. Because there's a big difference between unbelief and doubt. Okay? God does not like unbelief. But God will deal with our doubt. God will, will, will engage us with our doubt. Are y'all following that? So, um, oh yeah, let me tell you, let me tell you this. This is what I figured out at my worst moment. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Why have you done this? That's Jesus. In his worst moment, his darkest circumstance, he had a question. So if Jesus asked a question, if Jesus was wondering about something in his worst moments, do you think God looks down on you when you wonder and when you have questions? Do you think God is offended when you do that? I think I think that's where we've got to do this. We've got to get this. Yeah. So here, I'm going to tell you a few things about doubt, okay, that I've been working. I'm, the, I, I'm just a guy who's had a lot of doubts. Here's what I need to be true. Number one, what is doubt? Doubt is not the opposite of faith. Okay? Doubt is not. It's not the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the opposite of faith. Unbelief is the opposite of faith, not doubt. That's why you get treated different if you're an unbelief versus doubt. Things are different for you. You understand that? See, when you're when you're in doubt, you're there's an indecisiveness in you. You have mixed feelings about something. You have questions that you can't answer about it. Okay? That's what the father was saying. He was, see, he, he was bouncing between believing and not believing. That's what doubt is. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Do you see that? Amen. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. He had both of those working in his heart. He had not fallen over to, into unbelief. That, you know, God doesn't do this. God won't do it. God can't do it. Now, he believed God could. Maybe God would. But there was something in me that says you won't because nobody else has been able to heal him. And that's, that's where the, the, the doubt came from. Uh, here's an interesting thing. There's a book called In, in Two Minds. It's written by a man named O.S. Genesis. Now, I know some of you people know about Genesis. He's a brewer, right? You know, he makes beer. There's a beer out there called Genesis. Y'all ain't like y'all don't know that. Genesis was, this guy, O.S., is actually, that was his granddaddy. He was, his granddad was a brewer, but he brews something else. Okay? He don't brew beer. This guy got him. He wrote this book. And this is what he said about doubt that I think is fascinating. Doubt comes from a word meaning two. Two. To believe is to be in one mind. To believe is to be in one mind about accepting something that's true. To not believe is to be in one mind about rejecting something. So belief and unbelief is having one mind. I got one mind. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. That's one mind. Okay. I got this. Unbelief. The devil's greater than Jesus. No, I don't believe that. I got one mind about that. So I disbelieve that. You, you see that? Yep. To doubt is to waver between the two. To believe and disbelieve at once. So to be in two minds. Yeah, it really is. To be in two minds. So when we're in doubt, we're in two minds. We're going back and forth like the father was. Believing, but struggling with the belief. Keep slipping back into unbelief. And I promise you, all of us do that from time to time. Okay, like I said, uh, the second thing I've already sort of mentioned, but God's not disappointed or put off by our doubts. I'll tell you that God is, let me just say that God is not disappointed in you when you're, when you're doubtful. He's not angry with you. He doesn't think little of you because you have doubts. 
and you're struggling in, in the arena of your faith, God's just not upset about it. Okay? If he was, he'd have been upset with people like David, Abraham, Moses, uh, Mary that day. He'd been upset with her. He'd been upset with Peter. He'd been upset with Paul. He'd been upset with all the great people in the Bible because they all had doubts. And they all came to God at times and talked to God and had a conversation with Him instead of feeling rejected and guilty. Because they don't believe all and their faith is not always perfect. They're always, not always saying it right. That sort of releases yeah. me, man. Yeah. How about you? Number three, having doubts doesn't mean you're spiritually inferior. See, a lot of people think that people, because they doubt, they're spiritually inferior. Big lie. And people feel guilty for it. If you feel guilty for doubt this morning, don't. Don't feel guilty. Because God has not condemned you for doubt. Is that good news? Yeah. yeah. Let me read this to you. I think this, this helped me a lot about believing. It's John 6, 28 through 29. Uh, these people were speaking with Jesus, and they said to him, What shall we do that we may work the works of God? That's a good question. What shall we do that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, Listen to this. This is the work, work of God, that you believe in him whom he sent. So here's what he was saying. Jesus was saying, It's work to believe. That's what he was saying. It's work to believe. Believing is not always easy. Believing is not something that always just happens passively. Sometimes we have to fight the belief. Sometimes we have to work in our belief. I'll tell you one thing that I do, and, that I, and this is how I consider a work at believing. When you're praying for somebody who's very sick, and the circumstances are absolutely overwhelming to you. You can get into some unbelief, really. Like, God ain't doing nothing here. You know, how could he? I mean, this, this is no hope. Is, you know what I do to, to, to work at it? I start going through my mind the healing miracles of Jesus in the Bible. Yeah, yeah. Instead of putting my focus on what I'm seeing with my natural eyes or hearing my natural ears, I'm going back to what the Scripture has testified about a God who heals. I go back to Isaiah where it says, By his stripes we're healed. Instead of focusing on the negative and focusing on what's, you know, a fact in front of you, I'm focusing on something that's better. And that's what we had to do at times. At times, we really had to fight to believe. Because it's not easy to believe, especially when you're in a difficult circumstance in your life and things are not working in your life. You are going to have to work at your belief. But here's something. Y'all get that? And that's what the Father was doing. He was working there. Lord, he was saying, I need some help here. I need help to believe. That's what that man was saying to Jesus. I need you to help me believe. And that's what we need to do when we're in that. Say, God, I need you to help me believe because I can't believe. I'm struggling to believe. But most of us feel guilty about not believing. So we would not dare have that conversation with God like we didn't think God already knew it. But it's a better... Don't you think that God would like a genuine, authentic relationship, a truthful relationship with what's going on in your heart? Instead of, instead of mouthing out some phony faith that's not really faith at all. It's just a phony confession. And, and, are y'all all right? Yep. Yeah. Good stuff. And God would like for us to be real with Him and yeah. honest with Him. Amen. Yes. When we're struggling like that. Because the phony stuff. But here's something really great, though. I, I love this. Romans 15, 13. Yeah. This is, this is beautiful. Because there is a reward 
and fighting for your faith. There's a reward for fighting to believe. There's a reward for going after it, not giving up. There's a reward when you feel tempted to keep battling to believe there's something better for you than what that thing's trying to pull you into. Yeah. I'm going to tell you that. It says, now may the God of the hope fill you with, listen, all joy and peace in believing. That's a reward. There's joy. There's peace that God wants to release to people when they determine, you know what? This ain't easy to believe right now. You know, I could just throw in the towel right now. But I'm going to keep going after this belief thing, keep crying out to the Lord to help me believe. And God has promised us that he would fill us with joy and peace and that we would abound in hope, which means your faith can abound by the power of the Holy Spirit. I just love that. So I really want to encourage you about working at your faith, fighting for your fight to believe, work to believe. Don't just give up. Don't just let doubt. And then we'll stop. Don't just believe all your doubts. Right? Don't just believe them. Don't, if you just believe your doubts, you, you've given up, you've quit. And you will Amen. find yourself in unbelief. Amen. It's really true. Come on. Ooh, yes, Lord. I'm trying to go as fast as I can. It's really good. All right, let me tell you this. Uh, number four, doubt is not always detrimental to your spiritual health. Doubt is not always detrimental. I'll tell you this. Uh, God can use your doubts to help your faith. Here's how I look at doubt. I look at doubt like a servant. You know, and so a servant is meant to serve me. It's meant to help me. Okay, so when I'm having doubts, that is telling me, my servant is saying, you, you, there's something wrong here with you. Okay, you, you, you are double-minded. You're too, you got all these thoughts going. You're not settled on this. You got You need to go to God about this. And if you'll do that, if you'll begin to respond to your servant telling you that, serving you, explaining something to you, you can go and get help. But if you let your servant become your ruler, like many times we do that, we let the servant start dictating to us what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing, it is going to choke the faith right out of your heart. That's what it will do. It will choke the faith right out of your heart. So you have to have authority over your servant. You had to tell your servant, listen, I, I agree with you that I need to go to God, but I'm not going to let you be the voice in my life. I'm not going to just have your voice hounding at me. I'm going to go to God. We're going to get this thing settled. Thank you for letting me know. That's sort of Thank you for letting me know. Another thing is, is a gullibility. Right? Christians can be real gullible about believing all kinds of stuff that's just not true. And it's good to have some doubt when you're here and think like, mm. you know, last night I, was, uh, I ran across, I, you know, I ran across something that was really interesting to me. And uh, I was researching it like, well, this, these people saw they got some really good revelation because they, it was coming from a little bit of a different angle that I hadn't really thought about. So I really started researching the people and I was really liking everything they were saying until I got to this one thing. Okay? And this one thing about the second return of Christ they didn't believe in it. I thought, well, if you don't believe that, something ain't right about this. You know? So I began to have doubts about these people, and rightfully so. You see, that's how doubt can serve you. Uh, this is what Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 5, 21. Uh, Test all things, hold fast to what is good. Test all things. Test all things. In other words, don't just bite, bite into everything you're told. Test it. Find out about it. And what the good that you see, the real that you see, grab hold of that. 
Another thing he said in Acts 17, 11, talking about those poor people at Thessalonians, uh, he went down to, to Berea and he says, I mean, he says, and he's speaking of the Bereans, these were more fair-minded than those in Thessalonica in that they received the word with all readiness and searched the scriptures daily to find out where these things were so. Y'all got that? In other words, they received what the new revelation that was being given, but they went and searched the scriptures out for themselves to find out, I want to make sure that what these people are telling me, because I've never heard it before, I've never seen it before, I want to make sure. They, so they searched it out. And that's what, you know, and, and the Bible applauds a search. The Bible applauds a heart that's willing to receive and a heart that's willing to search it out once you've received it to find out if it's so. And if it's not so, like Paul said, hold fast to what's good, keep the rest of the curve. Are y'all good? Yeah, well, let me talk just a minute here about the danger of doubt because I think doubt's an awesome thing, uh, but it can be a dangerous thing. And I want to look at Matthew 11, 2 through 6. And this is about John the Baptist. Uh, ooh, mercy, Lord. Y'all kind of quiet. And when John had heard in prison about the works of Christ, heard in prison. Everybody say heard in prison. Prison is a rough place to be to be hearing about stuff. Especially when you were one of the main guys and instrumental in this guy's ministry. Okay? And now you're sitting in jail. Okay, he sent two of his disciples and said to him, Are you the coming one, or do we look for another? Got a question? Think about it. Got a question? This is John the Baptist. This ain't just some, you know, dude that was in jail for doing something stupid. This is a guy who's a... In fact, Jesus said, as far as people born and women, he's the greatest man who's ever lived. But he who's least in the kingdom is better. But at least as far as in the natural, Jesus said, this guy has the top. And he had a question. Because here he was, sitting in prison. And Jesus was not delivering him from prison. So here, can you imagine in his mind, like, well, doggone it. All this stuff about Jesus. Okay? You know, I baptized him. I saw heaven open. I saw this dove. And I heard God tell me, whoever I see the dove, I was the Messiah. You know? And besides that, he was his cousin. So he had a lot of experience with Jesus. You know, he declared him to be the Lamb of God. He knew Jesus. He had encounters with Jesus. Okay? Yeah. So this is what this tells me. You can have all that, but that doesn't mean there's not a day coming when you're not going to have some doubts in your minds about Jesus. Yeah. So to think otherwise, you might not be thinking right. So here he is sitting in prison. Don't you love that? He's sitting in prison wondering why, if this guy's really the Messiah, all of a sudden he's questioning if he's truly the Messiah. And if he's the Messiah, why aren't you getting me out of prison? Why aren't you helping me? Because you, uh, the Messiah would help me. He would get me out because he knows what all I've done. Right? I mean, that makes sense. That's what was going on in his heart. And so Jesus answered those guys and said to them, Go and tell John the things which you hear and see. The blind see and the lame walk. The lepers are cleansed and the deaf hear. The dead are raised and the poor have the gospel preached. And everything he said to them was the answer that you would think, well, hey, of course he's the Messiah. Of course he's God. Nobody can do all that kind of stuff. 
You got that? I mean, he said the whole thing to him that, yeah, I'm the Messiah, and this is the proof of it. But then he added one last thing, and then he said, blessed is he who is not offended because of me. Okay? So here's what that tells me. Your doubt, if you don't deal with it, can lead to offense. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you. Your doubt, if you don't deal with your doubt, if you don't face your doubt, if you don't work through your doubt, here's the danger of doubt. You can become offended at the God, at God. Because that's what Jesus was saying. John, I am the Messiah. You know I'm the Messiah. This is all the stuff I've done. But here's the problem, John. You're starting, not only you've gone from doubt to offense. You're offended at me. You're offended at me because I haven't done what you think I should do. I didn't release you from prison. I didn't save your marriage. I didn't, I didn't keep your child alive. I didn't save your ministry. I didn't save your business. I didn't do any of those things, John. And so you're going to have to choose. You're going to have to make some decisions in your heart. Because if you really want the blessing of God in your life, you are going to have to not become offended. And here's the way you become not offended, John, because doubt is creating offense in your heart. It's beginning to choke life out of you. And see, that's the danger of doubt. Absolutely, God has created, allowed mankind to doubt, and God does not create treat, treat us as inferior when we doubt. And He does not look down on us as we doubt. Okay? But if we allow doubt to go unchecked in our life, if we feed on doubt, if we begin to believe our doubts, and begin to just cultivate that in our hearts and become skeptical Christians and stop believing God again and refuse to believe and refuse to put yourself out there of God again, then you're headed towards your fence. And when you get offended at the Lord, then you're in big trouble. Because bitterness will begin to enter into your heart and affect your heart. And you begin to shut down spiritually. And that's what Jesus was trying to do with John. He was trying to help him. Like, don't be offended by this. Don't be offended when you can't understand it. Don't be offended when I don't explain it. Because he doesn't always explain himself. Because he don't have to. Because he's God. So he gets to do whatever he wants to. <laughs> I wish he did. <laughs> so, are y'all all right? Let's go watch the game. I'm not done, man. Go watch the game. Struggling, you know, just begin to talk to God like that. 
And that will release God to talk to you. Because God invites us there. And if we don't take that step, we're going to be in trouble. And the other thing that really, like I said, uh, about uh, remembering the scriptures, about the healing thing, was keep going back to what you know to be true. you got to keep going back to uh, And I think that's the most important thing. And I know this. You can always get down to this one thing in your life. If you get reduced to nothing... This is how you know that somebody got reduced to nothing. That they'll tell you this. The thing I discovered when I was down to zero was that God's love still remained in my life. That's what Paul said in Romans 8, 38. He said, I'm persuaded. See, there's a persuasion. You know, all this bad stuff can come against me. Death, life, angels, demons, present, future. All this stuff can come against me. But I'm persuaded. That God's love is always going to be there. That nothing can separate me from His love. And I'm going to tell you something. That's a good thing to be persuaded of. You know, if you're going to be persuaded of anything, be persuaded of that. And no matter what happens in life, it cannot separate me from God's love. And no matter how my life goes, I can always look back and see that God's love was there for me. And that's, what, that's a truth that God wants all believers to walk in. And that will really help you when things are not going great, because you could say, well, I know that this can't separate from his love. I'm still loved, even though I feel, I feel hated. I feel despised. I feel rejected. You know? But knowing that you are loved and, not, and going against your feelings. Paul said in 1 Timothy, uh, no, 2 Timothy 1.12, I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed. So I think, if you number one, when you're doubting, get real with God. Tell the truth. Talk to God. Don't be ashamed. Don't feel rejected. Don't feel like less of a Christian. Talk to God. Have a conversation with Him about it. And just keep talking until you can work it out. Number two is doubt your doubts. Don't live on your doubts. Don't feed on your doubts. Go to what is true. Appeal to truth. What is true, Lord? You see, you know, you can pray for somebody to be healed and they don't get healed. What are you going to do? Are you going to stop believing God heals people? Are you going to give up that God's a healer? You know? What you do is like, well, that didn't happen. I don't understand why it happened, but this is what Jesus did. He raised a 12-year-old girl up from the dead. That's what Jesus did. He raised a widow's only child, son, from the dead, right in the middle of the funeral. He's, he raised a kid from the dead. That's... Jesus healed. There was a place where Jesus healed everybody that came to him. And so that's how you deal with your, your things about the healings. Because I know a lot. And the same thing about your dreams and about your visions. If you go through the scripture and you look at like Paul's dream and his vision for his life. And you say, well, you know what? It didn't work out exactly for me. But look what, how it worked out for Paul. It didn't work out exactly for him how he thought his life would be led. But he did fulfill the dream in his heart. So, I think for us to really enter into this new presence, this new place that God wants to bring us into, we're really going to have to, we're going to have to cast down some of these doubts you're carrying. We're going to have to get away some of your disappointments and your failures and your hurt. You're going to have to let go of the past. Now, I'm just going to be honest with you. You can't enter into what God has now if you're hanging on to what was that don't even exist anymore and it, and it turn out bad or good for you. 
And I think God really wants to bring people into something fresh and new. And I, here's the way I feel about it. God's waiting on us. God's here. God's for us. And he wants us to take that step towards him. And I think for me, and many times in my life, my first step is facing the areas of when I, where I have real doubt in my life and, and dealing with those doubts and being real with the Lord. Yep, yes or no? Yes or no? Good old Dalton Thomas. He's a good guy. You know what? His life turned out, don't you? Preached the gospel all over India. That's why you find a lot of Indian people named Thomas. But oh, here's Dalton Thomas. Look how bad he was. Like we think. Oh, Lord. You know, I thank God let Thomas doubt because he was an apostle. And he would say, if an apostle can doubt, you can doubt. And you can live a victorious life. And hundreds of years later, there can be people named after you. You know, in another country. Hey, look at all these people named Jim down in South America. <laughs> There's all these Jim people now. Santiago. Well, Santiago, but you know what I'm saying. Amen. Y'all stand up. I'm going to pray for you. I pray the Holy Ghost will expose us today. Yeah, Lord, thank you. Hey, just remember, uh, you know, the reason I felt like the Lord spoke to me about Mark 9 was that dream I had about dear Cindy Martinez. And she came to me in a dream. I know this kind of thing. Some people are kidding. You know, I mean, honestly, I don't. She came to me in a dream, and she was beautiful, and she was young. And she was alive, more alive than I'd ever seen her. In fact, I remarked to her, like, oh, Cindy, her skin is so beautiful. And she was radiant oh and full God. of life. Oh and she went to be with the Lord in 2012, so she's had plenty of time to get radiant up there, right? <laughs> but she said, I have a message for you guys. A message. I said, okay, yes. And the message was, I didn't hear it. That's what I really got I didn't hear the message. What was it? And somebody asked me, what was the message, Byron? I said, oh, it was Mark 9. It was Mark 9. You know, it's all of Mark 9. There's everything in there. So I said, well, I'm just going to dig out what I can dig out of there, Lord. And I think, I'm just telling you, I think we need to pay attention to that message from heaven. Yeah. I, I mean, I'm serious. I really do. I mean, if I were you, I would. You know, that's why I listen to stuff like that because that's how one of the ways, that, one of the main ways that God speaks to me is through dreams. And so I think God brought a message to us from heaven in Mark chapter nine. And I think we really need to hear whatever it is He's saying in all of it. Say, Lord, I just pray today we would hear this. We would hear, Lord. You want to help us with our doubts. You don't want to condemn us about, about doubting. You want to free us from doubting. Lord, you want to bring us into a stronger belief, a more robust faith, Lord. I know people who are going through hard times, really hard times, and I've been watching them really close to see their attitude, to see their heart. And I can say I've seen some of them flourish 
I can see some of them come alive in their difficult moment. And I've seen some that struggle. And I think in the Lord's eyes, it's all the same. Those who struggle, God reaches out to. Those who are robust are becoming more robust. God encourages to keep being robust. But if you if you're one of those who are just struggling, God is reaching out to you. That's what He's doing. He's reaching out. He's not condemning you. He's not judging you. He's reaching out to you. Give you life this morning. So go to Him and talk to Jesus. Amen. Amen. So do we have a ministry team? Why don't you have something? Yeah, let's have the mystery team come up here. And I do sense from Byron's message, you know, that's the Father fighting us. And in the book of Isaiah says, Father says, well, come, let's sit down and let's reason together. So that word reason is you being able to use your intellect to be able to process those things that God is able to do. It is logical, it is reasonable. So that's